And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. What's up, list nerds? I am your host, ex-video store clerk, undiscovered screenwriter, and fellow list nerd, Jason Kleberg, and this is the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I force my guests to come up with a movie-themed top five list topic, and then we reveal our picks on air. This past week, my kid was hanging out with his cousins. Uh, he has like, uh, he has a ton of cousins, but these kids are like, eh, from six to ten years old. And, you know, big family party, they're doing their own thing, adults are doing our own thing, and the kids decided to watch some YouTube on their tablet. My kid is not a YouTube kid, like, we'll watch a drawing tutorial here and there, but that's about it. But in a timely turn of events, whatever video they had on educated my son about this fictional monster called the Chupacabra. And for two nights, my kid just did not want to go to sleep. He ended up coming up with a brilliant plan, an inventive and interesting plan of putting up Halloween decorations in his room so that if a Chupacabra came in, it would be scared away. And that did work. Now, um, for for this generation, YouTube may be the source of what we sometimes call kinder trauma. Uh, many of us millennials and older, it was film. And that's the subject of today's show. Five films that scarred you as a child, featuring film director Nick Shostakovsky. Uh, just a delightful guy. Had a ton of fun talking to him. We've been trading movie recommendations back and forth. I learned about a terrifying Canadian commercial, which you'll hear. I uh, learned about his possible haunted house. And there's a lot more in here. So stay tuned for that. Really excited for you to uh, to listen to that. But before we get to that, last week I had Greg Sersavasti on to talk top five films of 2022. A lot of great answers for people's favorite films of the year, but I'm going to concentrate on the Cinematics Facebook page for this one because Greg is obviously one of the hosts of Cinematics as they tell us some of the films we missed. Not in the top five. Did they get it right? Excuse my language. Okay. Hell no. <laughs> I can't believe. Who, who made that list? Who made that? That's blasphemous. Don't look at me. That's blasphemous. Former guest of the show, Bruce Perky, and co-host of Cinematics, had some films on that were not mentioned. Bell, The Long Walk, Mad God, which I really need to see, and Ty West's Pearl. Ken Cunningham said Happening and Emergency. David Wangberg said Blind Man Who Did Not Want to See Titanic. Uh, I don't know if that's a real movie. I have never heard of it. I'm going to look that up. The Northman, The Northman, A Love Song, and uh, Dave Onmacht said Bardo which I've heard good things about, After Sun and RRR. I still need to see RRR. Matt Stillman said Women Talking and Close. And Force 5 executive producer Peter Beta said Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Brian and Charles, which I had not uh, even heard of until this moment. Looked it up. Looks, looks good. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram or join the Cinematics Facebook page to have your opinions read on the program or email me over at force5podcast at gmail.com like Ryan here did. Uh, Ryan has both his first and last name in the email, but I'm not going to out you, homie. And uh, Ryan writes in this very testy, for some reason, email, uh, quote, didn't even need to listen to the full until the full end of the year episode to know you have no taste in film. 
that's true. But hearing that you thought Banshees of Inishirin was boring just confirms it. Stick to Michael Bay films and dreck like Cocaine Bear and leave the intellectual films to the rest of us. Thank you for your email, Ryan. And on to this week's featured review of Cocaine Bear. You haven't seen it yet. A bear. It loves coke. But you've declared it the greatest movie of all time. The bear. It did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. It kind of seems like the thing that stays with a man forever. Cocaine Bear. Rated R. Cocaine Bear is based on a true story, and that's stretching the definition of true story a lot. I mean, we're talking one rung above Fargo here. Um, A little backstory on the actual Cocaine Bear starts with a guy named Andrew Thornton, who was a paratrooper for the Army in the 60s, and then a police officer who ended up earning a law degree and becoming a member of the Kentucky Drug Enforcement Administration. Now, who knows where things went wrong for this DEA agent, but something about the lifestyle he's working to prosecute enticed him because he left the legal life to begin work as a smuggler of both weapons and drugs. In late 1985, while on a smuggling run from Columbia, he and a buddy started chucking bags of cocaine into the Chattahoochee National Forest, and I'm guessing the plan was to retrieve them later, which seems kind of silly without trackers, but maybe I'd just be a really bad drug smuggler, I don't know. Anyway, he jumped out of a plane with a duffel bag full of coke on him, got caught in his chute, and smashed dead in the driveway of a guy in Knoxville, Tennessee with Gucci loafers, a bulletproof vest, should have worn a faultproof vest, about 15 million bucks in cocaine and $4,500 in cash on him. Now back in Chattahoochee Forest, a black bear found a bag of that cocaine and ate the whole thing, dying from an overdose almost instantly. Now, this film is like a reimagining of the second half of that story. What if a bear ate the cocaine, but instead of dying, got real savage and developed a thirst for blood and an addiction to cocaine? Now, based on the meme title alone, you should probably know if you're going to have fun with this or not. This is not high art. It was made with a total snakes on a plane vibe. The film cuts between various characters and outfits that say, hey, look, it's 1985, as they both dodge the bear and in some cases, each other. The heart of the film, if you can even call it that, is the story of a mother whose daughter and friend have gone missing in the forest. Then you've got the comic relief story, which features a park ranger, a nature guide who she fawns over, and some thugs who just kind of hang out in the park. And finally, there's a group of criminals who are out to retrieve the cocaine and the law enforcement agent who's trying to apprehend them. As expected, sometimes these stories converge, but it's pretty inconsequential. The movie has a real great cast of character actors, starting with an Americans reunion. Carrie Russell plays the mom whose daughter is missing. The always amazing Margot Martindale plays the park ranger. And uh, I mean, she really steals the show in this. She's the best part of this movie. And Matthew Reese plays the guy who drops the coke and dies in the driveway in a blink and you'll miss it role for him. Like seriously, the guy's on screen for like two minutes, probably less than that. We also get a mini modern family reunion of sorts as Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who plays Mitch on that show, is here in the film. And it was directed by Elizabeth Banks, who is also a character in Modern Family. Alden Ehrenreich is out of uh, actor's jail. O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Ray Liotta are the uh, three guys trying to get the cocaine back. 
This is Ray Liotta's last role here. And then uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Clay Davis from The Wire, plays the guy trying to arrest them. And there were clear, clear places they could have had him say, Shit. But they didn't. Failure. But overall, really solid cast. As for the film as a whole, it was fine. The good first, the film starts with an obvious nod to Wet Hot American Summer, which got a pop from me. And the film is pretty gory for a mainstream non-horror B-movie, complete with holes in heads, limbs getting ripped off, and an absolutely killer sequence where the bear is chasing a loaded ambulance down the mountain. That sequence is amazing. Uh, But in terms of fun, the film kind of peaks there. Unfortunately, the film's not as funny as it could have been with some better writing, aside from Margot Martindale. The ending also felt rushed and lacked a satisfying climax. The editing was also quite bizarre, and there's no better way to highlight this than by mentioning the hiker. There's this hiker that shows up a few times during the film, and then there's this odd, obviously 80-yard moment when a group of people is headed towards the bear's cave, and somebody says, we know what this bear can do. Remember that hiker we saw back there? And then it just kind of flashes back to them walking by a face with the skin ripped off, and then it just jumps back to the present, which felt like a skit from Family Guy and was very out of place in the movie, like really odd. It was so quick and jarring that I'm not even sure that it's the same hiker I'm referring to, but I can only assume it was since we don't see him again in the film. And I know Elizabeth, well, I don't know this, but I've heard Elizabeth Banks has said that his death was filmed, but it was excised because it was either too gory and mean-spirited. So, I don't know, maybe it'll be on the Blu-ray. It was super weird in the movie. Anyway, Cocaine Bear, you know what you're getting into. It's a solid, fun B-movie, a good way to waste 90 minutes on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, You know, go on a Tuesday when it's discounted. I don't know that you need to spend 25 bucks to see this on, like, the biggest screen ever. All right, it's almost time to get to Nick Shostakiewski, but first, we're going to talk about today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Valhalla Catering. If you need an event planned in the greater Los Angeles area, look no further. Valhalla Catering is armed with professionally trained bartenders and servers who at least act like they give a shit. Whether you're planning a birthday party, a school reunion, a wedding reception, or an orgy, Valhalla Catering has you covered. They'll show up on time, organized, and definitely not high. Call Valhalla Catering and tell Uda that the Force 5 podcast sent you for 10% off your bar tab. Valhalla Catering, are we having fun yet? All right, let's talk about films that scarred us when we were children. Welcome back to the Force 5 Podcast. Late last year on this show, I reviewed one of my favorite discoveries of 2022, a very chilly Canadian horror film called Black Mountain Side. And tonight we've got the director, Nick Shostakiewski. Tell me I got that right. Yep. Yeah, that was actually, that was very surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. I've got Nick Shostakiewski with me and we're going to work out some therapy on this episode. We're talking five films that scarred us as children. Nick, how are you tonight? I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing, I, I I narrowly made it. My kid had a cheerleading and, uh, it went a bit late, but I made it. So we're here and let's talk about movies. We're here talking films. Now, you've got a couple of feature-length films out. Black Mountain Side is one of them. Archons is the other. Uh, aside from, like, DVD or Blu-ray, where can people watch these films? Are they streaming anywhere for people to check out? 
So, um, I mean, it, it's country to country. Um, different territories sure. have different rights. But in the States, I believe um, your best bet is Amazon Prime Video. I could be wrong about that. I should probably actually look into it. But um, um, is it called Hulu? Is Hulu, that what it's yeah. called? Hulu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I think they have it. Um, it's changing all the time, honestly. And it's, it's on a lot of platforms. So, um, but, you know day and age of google if uh if, <laughs> if 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 you're you know not sure just google it it'll tell you where to watch it and i think youtube you can like rent it for like two bucks or something two bucks well spent i found black mountainside late like we were talking about this a, a little bit before on before we got on air uh it's 2023 now black mountainside is what nine years old came out in 2014 right we filmed it um actually we would be filming it exactly 10 years ago today we'd be um, filming on set. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 10, 10 year old film. And I was, I found it because I was looking up, I wanted to find horror movies from other countries and I was looking at other countries, horror festivals. And I came upon the blood in the snow festival from Canada. Yep. In Toronto. Yep. Yep. So I was, I was looking through those entries and I was just trying to find something that, that caught my eye and the description for black mountain side was like, okay, this seems like really up my alley. And I was holed up in a hotel room. We had, we, we were going to Disneyland <laughs> and it was one of those nights where I was exhausted, but I couldn't sleep. And I figured, well, I'll just put one of these things on. I found I think I found it on Prime and it started watching it and I just couldn't put the tablet down and I watched the entire thing. And then I watched it again when I got home on a nice screen. What a movie, man. I, I love Black Mountainside. It's kind of like a mixture of The Shining and The Thing, which are two of my favorite horror movies of all time. Yeah, we get that a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the best way to watch it is, uh, you know, it's such a cliche, but the best way to watch it is a big screen. Um, yeah. You know, we did shoot it with those like wide lenses. Um, we actually shot it out in the mountains. I mean, I know these days with green screen, everyone kind of <laughs> jumps in a studio or whatever, but we were actually there. So the best way to watch it is a big screen, um, with good, with good sound. I know it sounds so cliche, but that's the way to do it. Now I know I have a lot of aspiring filmmakers in, in my audience. Is there any piece of advice that you've heard or any piece of advice that you'd give somebody looking to get into movie making? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think what I would say is to just uh, do it. I mean, especially these days. I mean, it's crazy. I'm going to sound like such an old person, but um, (laughs) when I first made my like first movie, um, the camera that I used to film it on, uh, it was $4,000. It was a DVX. um, Oh, yeah. A Panasonic DVX. And it was not easy to get my hands on. There was a lot of begging with my parents for like splitting the cost of it. Sure. Um, There was, I mean, just the hassle of getting the DV tapes and offloading them. And and the quality of that camera is nowhere near the quality of my phone now. (laughs) So, I mean, there's like really no reason that like if you want to do it, just do it. I mean, you don't need fancy equipment in fact honestly like i mean the best movies are are made without fancy equipment so i mean just use what you got uh use your buddies um you'd be amazed actors will work for free even good ones so i mean you don't need a lot you don't need film school you don't need 
a lot of cash. Paranormal Activity was made for $15,000. And I think he used most of that money to renovate his house. Um, to make his house look right for the movie. Like, essentially, that movie was made for free. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, you don't need a lot. I, I don't know. It's, it, I, again, that sounds so cliche. To, you know, just go do it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you got major filmmakers making films on iPhones. Soderbergh, uh, Sean Baker makes a lot of his stuff, you know, by the cuff. And you got editing programs and stuff that you can get for 200 bucks now that will will do the job. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I, I worked for a bit at the uh, Vancouver Film School. I was uh, a TA and I would help with their the acting program and the writing program. I would do their final projects and their midterm projects, like filming um, their screenplays and stuff. Mm. And there was times where... Um, well, actually, one of the guys who did the editing um, plays Doc in Black Mountainside. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think he still does it. Maybe he does. I don't know. Um, but uh, he he would be editing them, and he'd be like, "We need this scene. We don't have this scene." And instead of actually going out to like like the the equipment room and getting all the gear and renting the stuff, he would take his iPhone and film. He would grab the actor from upstairs. They'd quickly film the scene, plop it in, and you could not tell what scene was shot with the the cameras, like the school's cameras, and what was shot with his iPhone. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and I know there's there's there might be a lot of like tech geeks out there who are rolling their eyes right now and like biting sure. their tongues and screaming <laughs> at the computer, but I mean, the the thing is, is the average person can't really tell. I mean. It's all about the story. I mean, if your story's good, people don't care about that shit, right? I mean, yeah. It, it, when people start looking at like, you know, the technical details, it means that you've lost them with the story. So, worry about your story. That's the most important thing. All right. Well, that's kind of a good good segue into uh, my next question here. My last like hypothetical question. You've already directed like two of your own stories. You you kind of you wrote both of your films, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So if you could direct a film from any existing franchise, like they gave you the the open door to film a fi- to film a movie in any franchise you wanted, which one would it be? The way I would want to do it is I would want them to give me like the worst franchise they could. Think <laughs> oh of. wow! Just like give me the worst movie like franchise, like the the some bombing terrible franchise, and just be like, just make something. Okay. And then then and then I feel like there'd be like no pressure to do bad and you'd have like all this freedom to do it however you want to do it. That's true. If if that makes sense. I feel like okay, so I've only ever seen two Hellraiser movies. Which ones? The first and the second one. Okay. Um I didn't like the second one. I don't think anyone does. Maybe <laughs> yeah. they do. I don't know. Um but <laughs> nah. the the first the first one is like it's bad. Maybe, maybe that franchise, just because it's one of those things where I have no attachment to it and I wouldn't feel bad if I pissed off all the fans. Yeah, it makes sense. So I could pretty much do whatever I want. But then I guess if you wanted me to pick one where it's like my favorite franchise and I would like desperately want to do good to the fan base, it would probably be like the Evil Dead. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good one too. Evil Dead's got a sequel coming out this year. Yeah. I probably won't see it. I can't, I can't watch the new ones. They're, they're actually pretty good compared to a lot of like legacy sequels yeah i don't know i saw the uh the one with the girl um, yeah 2013 mm-hmm. yeah I, di- I didn't uh didn't love it okay well let's talk about some movies you do love uh i <laughs> always ask this question to give my listeners a sense of your film taste before we get into our list uh sure. nick what are some of your favorite films of all time 
Okay, well, I mean, the first two you can probably guess. Um, the Thing and The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, just every, it seems like every stage of my life, you know, like your tastes change. Like one day you're, you're like, oh, this is my favorite movie. Now this is my favorite movie. This is my favorite movie, whatever. Those are like two, along with Alien, those mm-hmm. those ones are just always up there. No, it doesn't matter like when my tastes change. They're just always up there and I think it just has to do with like the actual quality of the actual movie itself. Sure. Regardless of whether it's scary, regardless of whether it's you know cool or hip or whatever. I, like they're always just like it the execution of it is just so good that you can't not like it. Right. You know, like maybe maybe you're just watching it because the story's good. Maybe you're just watching it to appreciate the cinematography. Um, like you can't watch Alien and and not be like, oh, this movie sucks. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> like, you know, like the the scenery is just amazing. The set design is just it's just crazy. The acting is so good. Um, so and I I think for me a, a big thing with 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 horror movies um, is when I started to make them. I no longer found them scary at all. And may- maybe you can relate to that, like, you know, doing your podcast. Sure. Like, once you really start to analyze them, once you really, like, dig into stories and, like, it's, it's you the, the actual, like, ability to be scared by them is completely lost. It's, like, especially when you're, like, watching... I mean, my, my wife hates watching movies with me because I'll just be like, oh, why did they... Why did they use that camera lens? Why did they, <laughs> you know, do that zoom there? That's funny. And like, why did they frame her like that? And she's yeah. just like trying to watch the movie, and I, I just can't. My wife is like that with me when it comes to screenplays. Like, uh, it, that's the story part of it for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna pay that off later, and and yeah, she always gets really annoyed with me. <laughs> it's yeah. It's I mean it's I mean that was funny. Like I think the first day of film school. Um, one of our, a T, either a TA or a teacher just like said to the class, he was like, just so you know, when you're done film school, you're not going to enjoy movies anymore. <laughs> and it was kind of like this weird thing that he said that everyone's like, okay. And they're all rolling their eyes, but it's true. You just, you don't really like, you don't enjoy them like you used to. You, it's not, you don't watch them the same way that you used to. Right. Um, once you know how they're made, I mean, now you're just watching how it's made. And I think that's, that's probably the same with like chefs and cooking and I don't know, like, yeah, it's true. That's probably true. Um, I feel like I, I went on a tangent there and kind of got off off your question. But uh, uh, Alien, um, The Shining, The Thing, I mean, like I said, they're just like such well-executed movies. I mean, there's like not really... I mean, The Thing maybe you could argue has some flaws in it. It's got some some campy moments. Shit, I'll never argue that. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. The, like The Shining, there's not a flaw. Like no Stanley Kubrick movie really has a flaw in it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone really some people might argue like maybe it's a little bit boring and slow paced but like 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 as a physical movie between cinematography sound acting everything there's not a flaw to be found in the movie so yeah you know those are always going to be my favorite movies but um in terms of like movies that i just enjoy i mean like i said before the evil dead like the original one i mean stuff like that any anything that that was like done with a lot of heart. Sure. I mean, with, with Evil Dead, I just like, and even Paranormal Activity, um, you know, they, they're just movies that were not done with these big budgets. They were just done because it was these people trying to tell a story. And, and I think that's really, it's a really nice thing. Yeah, it is endearing when you have those, those 
movies that people just want to make. Like you said, just pick up a camera and, and go. And that's kind of what yeah. those guys did, especially the uh, Ramey and Campbell. Yeah, I mean, like like Clerks, anything like that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like it's so it's got such a charm to it. Yep. Robert Rodriguez, early stuff as well. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some movies that scarred you as a child. I think this is going to be a really fun list because this list is very personal. Like some of the topics that we do, there are go-tos, you know, like top five films that take place in space, for example. You mentioned Alien. That's probably going to be on 90% of people's lists, Star Wars, that kind of stuff. But this kind of list is really based on the stories we have when we found films before we were psychologically ready for them, whether by choice or by accident. (laughs) So as I'm looking through my five, I actually noticed that only two of mine would be found in the horror section of a blockbuster. Uh, There's three that aren't horror movies at all. Did you see any themes with the films on your list? Like, are they all horror movies or are there other ones mixed in? Um, I tried to, I guess I kind of tried to stick to horror movies Okay. um, when I was picking them. But when I was thinking about it, there was definitely a couple that came to mind that were not horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I mean, like thrillers and, um, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like yeah. when I, I even asked my wife, I was like, I was like, well, what, what, what scarred you? Like what films scarred you as a kid? And she like joked, she's like, oh, like my birthing video and stuff like that. <laughs> like, it's not like horror movies, you know? Sure. But. I guess that would be terrifying. That would definitely scar me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when when I think about the things that really stirred up some shit for me as a kid, too, uh, we're talking films today, but it wasn't always film. Were there any uh, any like TV shows or commercials or even music videos that messed you up? Oh, that's a good question. There was. I was uh, so I used to I used to skate, and I went on a, a, a skating trip, like a competition to Quebec. Nice. And we were staying in a hotel. And I guess, like, Quebec has different laws than the rest of Canada in terms of, like, what they can show on TV. Mm. And they played a commercial. And I I was probably, like, 11 years old. Um, and it was, like, a work safe kind of, like, a, you know, be safe at work kind of commercial. Uh-huh. And it was a girl who is, she's in, like, a kitchen and she's working at, like, a fryer. And she goes to, like, pick up the fryer to, like, empty it out or whatever. And then she slips and falls back. And then they show her with, like, her, like, face melting in hot oil. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was extremely graphic for a TV commercial. Um, you can find it online. I don't remember what it's called. But it's extremely graphic. I'm the sous chef here. With any luck, I should be head chef by next year. I've got this amazing fiancé. Who I won't be marrying this weekend. Because I'm about to be in a terrible accident. But really, I should have cleaned up the grease over there. And they should never put the deep fryer so close. It's, uh, it's very, it's violent, it's graphic. I don't know how it got on television, but in, I guess in Quebec, they, they can, you know, it's kind of like cigarettes, you know, how they can like put pictures of like people's like decaying face on a yeah. pack of cigarettes. I think it's something <laughs> like that. Um, so yeah, I was 11 years old. I that just played on TV in between like, like, I think it was like a, we were watching like a cartoon or something. Jesus. And, uh, yeah. And I, I cannot go near a fryer anymore. I can't go near like boiling oil. Can't do it. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, there was a commercial too that, that really messed me up when I was a kid and I can't remember exactly what it was about, but it was like a home invasion commercial. And I think it was for an alarm company or something, but it was a, it was a commercial of somebody getting abducted through their window and huh. it like messed me up. I must've been probably eight or nine. And for probably a good solid year, I was afraid of somebody coming through my window at night. I wonder, I wonder what my, my, my own daughter the other day, she's been coming into our room at night. And we, mm. I said to her, like, what, what is going on? And she says, um, there's, there's something coming out of my wall at night. And I can't no help kidding? but think, yeah, I can't help but think she saw something somewhere. I don't know. Dude, my, my kid said the same thing, like six months ago. Really? He had the same exact issue. Um, he watched some, God, I think he was at his cousin's house and watched like the Chronicles of Narnia or something. Which is funny. That you say that because I am reading my kid, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe right now. No shit. I wonder if that has something to do with it. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) But uh, it's funny, and I'll I'll get back to that exactly that 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 what that story right there um, with one of the ones on my list. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, Nick, you ready to get into this list here? Yeah. You know what's gonna happen? You know what's happening right now? You know what's gonna happen? No, 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 no. Well, you're the guest, so uh, I'll let you choose. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? And I'm sorry if I haven't seen what's on your list. I, I feel like that might make you know a bad podcast if I'm like, sorry, I haven't seen it. No, no, that's okay. That's Part of the podcast is for discovery. You know, If you haven't <laughs> seen something, no problem. But I'm sure that you've seen my number five because I think that my number five would be on so many people's list between my age and your age, and that's 1988's Child's Play. Child's Play, a terrifying new movie. Something has moved in with the Barkley family. And so has terror. Child's Play. Child's Play, rated R. Starts Wednesday, November 9th at a theater near you. Okay, I thought about putting that on my list. I did. I think this is going to be on a lot of people's on a lot of people's mind when you bring this up. My wife yeah. certainly has this one on her top five. Uh, so, Child's Play. If if you've been living under a rock, Child's Play is a movie about a doll that gets possessed and becomes murderous. But when I was growing up, they had a doll very much like the good guy's Chucky doll. It was called My Buddy. Did you have a My Buddy doll when you were little? I did not, no. Okay, do no. you know of the My Buddy? I didn't even know that was a thing. No, no. Oh, okay. So here in the States, we had uh, we had My Buddy, and then we had the female version that was marketed towards females called the uh, Kid's Sister. And they were they looked almost exactly like Chucky, except without like such a scary, weird face. My Buddy, My Buddy, My Buddy. And my brother had one. I didn't have one, but my brother had one. And we were at my cousin Chris's house. My cousin Chris was the kid who could rent whatever movie he wanted. Uh, Like, you know, when I went to the video store, it had to be under PG for me to rent it at that age. Uh, Now my cousin Chris. How old are we talking? Well, uh, I was maybe 
10. Okay. I was your co- I was your cousin Chris. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, my cousin Chris could rent whatever he wanted. It was like go to Blockbuster, just pick a tape and we're leaving. So, of course, I'm visiting him for the summer. We pick Child's Play and I'm thinking, oh, I'm tough enough to watch this. And probably 30 minutes in, I I didn't have the courage to say I wanted to turn it off, so I just kind of like closed my eyes the rest of the movie. Uh, I could not sleep that night. Child's Play tore me up. And then when I got home, I made sure that my brother's, uh, my brother's, my buddy doll went missing. I would put that thing under the bed. I would tuck it into one of his drawers. I made sure that he could not have that thing out and about because I was very much afraid of it coming to life and uh, running around and stabbing me. Yeah, so Child's Play from 1988. That's my number five. I'm sure a lot of people are going to agree with us on that one. That that reminds me, and this this is not on my list, but uh, um, the movie Poltergeist. You know, at the the uh, near the end where the she has that clown toy. Oh yeah, I remember. I I saw that scene, and I remember that night I had all my stuffed animals in my bedroom, and I was like, <laughs> these cannot be looking at me. They can't be on my bed. They can't be looking at the bed. They need to go. So similar. <laughs> yeah, it, those those are uh, demonic toys, man. They, they just as a kid, you never know what's possible, and uh, that one messed me up big time. So so my number five, like I I had to do like a bit of a toss up, but I, what I went with was uh, the Blair Witch Project. From Artisan Entertainment, it began as a mystery. It became a phenomenon, and now it's as close as your remote control. For the first time on television, The Blair Witch Project comes to pay-per-view. Experience the movie critics call a groundbreaker in fright. An instant classic. I hear him downstairs! The Blair Witch Project, now on pay-per-view. Lights on, lights off. You decide how to watch it. Oh, okay. You probably know the year. I guess I probably can't think of the year. 99, yeah. Off the top of my head. 99? Yep. Yeah, so I would have been eight years old. And, uh, my parents, I think they let me watch it. I think they're, they just, uh, I think they had heard that it didn't scare kids for some reason. Oh, interesting. Um, well, just because, you know, there's not like monsters in it. Sure. Right. They're not, not, and I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, but I mean, there, there's no monsters in it. There's no like jump scares. I don't think. So I think my parents had heard that and were like, okay, we the kids can be in the room while we watch it, whatever. Because my parents would rent movies every Friday night and yep. just watch them. Usually like one while we were awake and one after we went to bed, whatever. And uh, yeah, we I, I remember watching it and yeah, it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so I mean, I, that I, it wasn't my like first exposure to like a horror movie, but it was when, when you're that age, when you're like an eight, nine-year-old kid, like the idea of found footage right. is basically you're telling a kid, hey, this is real. <laughs> like, so here's real footage of people, you know, going lost and being killed by a witch. And they marketed it as that as well, right? They did. They did. The, the big marketing ploy was uh, was trying to convince people that like, oh, this is this might actually be real or this was real. Yeah. Um, which like looking back on it is so stupid. But I mean, like when you're like an eight-year-old kid, you know, like even like, yeah, my, I mean, my kids don't know, like, um, 
they think like live action means it's it's a real like it's a documentary yeah my like my one daughter was watching it was like ghost pups it was made by the people who made like Airbud. oh yes uh spooky buddies yeah and my 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 daughter asked if it was real so i mean and just think i was only four years older than her (laughs) and this was the blair witch project jeez um yeah, it stuck with me. I mean, just like, especially the, you know, the ending, everyone talks about the ending, but the ending, like when you're a kid, it sticks with you. And, um, what my brother would do, my older brother, cause he knew I was freaked out by it is he would go. So if you haven't seen the movie, I'm spoiling it like entirely right now, but at the very end of the movie, he goes down the stairs and sees the, his friend standing with his face facing the corner. Mm-hmm. Right. My brother used to just do that. He would do it in the middle of the night. Like oh. when we were both in the house he would go down the stairs and he would just stand in the corner and then wait for me to come down the stairs so i would see him doing you know that and as an eight-year-old kid i mean you know shit in your pants basically (laughs) yeah so so yeah it stuck with me it stuck with me and you know back then found footage wasn't really a thing like that kind of kicked off the big found footage movement but it wasn't a style of movie that anybody was used to which i think added to the realism yeah Totally. This is another cool thing about these kind of movies is that when you see them highly uh, influences like whether they're scary to you or not. So I saw Blair Witch Project when I was in high school and I was not scared at all, but I could see how an eight year old kid would be terrified by that. And it's the same thing with child's play. Now, you know, you watch it now and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is really campy and goofy. But back then it's like, Jesus, that's horrifying. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the case with everything on my list, maybe with the exception of one movie. Sure. But uh but yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the funny way it goes. I mean, even my like I keep talking about my kids. I mean, maybe I'm I'm finally that like lame father <laughs> who can't <laughs> do an interview without talking about his kids, but like my kid there was like this like Paw Patrol episode with a dragon and I'm sure that's going to be on my kids' list when they do this interview in 20 years. Yep. They're going to be like the dragon episode in Paw Patrol. <laughs> well, um, yeah, my kid's big into Scooby-Doo and it's the same thing. Same thing with oh, those. Yeah. I watched some of those episodes like, damn, this is kind of freaky for a four-year-old, but he seems yeah, to love sure. them. So <laughs> I'm not going to stop him. All right. Um, well, speaking of animation, my number four, it's a great segue to uh, 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit? From Touchstone Pictures, a hot new star, a two-bit detective, every moment they're together is a new adventure in trouble. Compassion. I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? And gratitude. How can I ever repay you? Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a Steven Spielberg presentation, a Robert Zemeckis film. Don't ever kiss me again. Rated PG. Starts Wednesday, June 22nd at a theater near you. Uh, Robert Zemeckis film. It's a, a really groundbreaking movie. It's a movie that had real life human beings mixing with cartoon characters. And that was kind of the, the story of the movie. There's a villain in here. Uh, what's his name? Judge Doom. Judge Doom, played by Christopher Lloyd. There's two moments in this movie that absolutely scared the hell out of me. Of course, my mom rented this in 88. It, it was PG. It was probably 88 or 89 when I saw it. So I was pretty young. But uh, it's a cartoon, and I'm pretty sure it's a Disney property. So she probably thought it was pretty safe to put this one on. Uh, but there's <laughs> there's two real terrifying moments. Number one is something that anybody who's seen Roger Rabbit probably remembers, the dip. 
the judge's job, he's trying to eliminate tunes and he grabs this shoe and it's a really cute, really innocent looking shoe, but he has this liquid called the dip and he starts dipping the shoe into the dip and it starts dissolving the tune. And he basically says, I'm going to execute them all. And then he executes this innocent looking shoe as it just smokes up into his face. He's wearing like a black duster, black glasses, black hat. It's it's like the ultimate villain move. And he just kills this tune in front of you. And it was it was like pretty traumatizing. And then you get to the end of the film and Christopher Lloyd, first off, um, again, I'm going to spoil the ending of this movie. So if you haven't seen Roger Rabbit, uh, now's the time to, to mute those headphones for a second. He gets squished by a, uh, a steamroller and it turns out that he's a tune. So he's flattened. He gets up and then he blows himself up like a balloon. But he looks like a crazy, insane version of himself. And his eyes start popping out of his head. Because he, like, the rules no longer apply to him. He's outed himself as a tune. Uh, it, it's like one of the craziest, freakiest moments that I remember in at least an animated film. And I've never stopped thinking about it, especially the dip. It's uh, it's just like so brutal to do that to a little cartoon <laughs> shoe. That, that That's funny. That reminds me of, uh, what's the movie called? Total Recall. You know Total Recall? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end when they're out of out of the pressure lock or whatever and their eyes are bulging out of their heads. Oh, yeah, yep. I remember seeing that. That was another one I saw when I was really little, and I remember being very just, like, disturbed. <laughs> I just thought that was so disturbing. <laughs> yeah, the, like, Arnold, animatronic Arnold head just exploding. Yeah. That's, a gr- that's a great so, choice, too. That could have been on my honorable mentions for sure. Yeah, that, yeah now, that, now I'm thinking about it, I feel like my list is all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so so for my number four, I put The Exorcist, and that's gonna be my like one actually scary, at least in my opinion, movie that made my list. Something almost beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street, in this house, and a man has been sent for as a last resort. This man is The Exorcist, rated R. You know what, that that might not be true, but we'll get to that. But it, it's definitely, like, the most traditionally scary movie on my list. Yeah. Um, and simply because my parents, for some reason, and I shouldn't say my parents, my mother let me watch it when I was, like, eight years old. Oh. For, for, and then the reason she let me watch it was because she told me it was the scariest movie she'd ever seen. <laughs> so she thought that that was a good reason for me to watch it. I don't know what she was thinking. Maybe I was like nine or 10. Sure. I couldn't have been more than 10, but just definitely too young to watch it. And just for like, you know, for some background, we were like raised like pretty religious. Mm. Oh, okay. So, so. And I tried to explain this to my wife because she, I don't think she was raised quite as like religious as, as my family, but that movie, when you are like raised like to believe in the devil mm-hmm. and you're watching a movie about the devil, it's very like shocking to your, like just your like morals, I guess Yeah, you could say, but it was just, it's just so shocking. Especially at that age, I mean, it kind of just like rattled just like my idea of like 
this is going to sound like maybe kind of lame, but spirituality, um, like you just don't normally, you don't think about like these like religious ideas in, in like a scary way when you're a kid, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so for me, that was very shocking. And, uh, obviously I don't know what my mom was thinking. I'm wondering also what you were thinking, like when she said that to you, were you like, okay, I'm all in, like, I want to see this or were you scared? Yeah, no? I definitely was. I, I think I constantly was, I think she just got tired of me, like constantly begging to watch horror movies. I was always just like fascinated with them. We'd go to the rental store and I would always go to the horror movie section and just like look at the covers mm. of all like the scary movies. And I would just like, I think that was like the start of me, like, you know, like horror fans, like kind of like they get off on the, the being scared. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's like the excitement of being scared. Well, like when you're that young and you're not allowed to watch the scary movie, you know, especially back in the day when there was no, like, well, I guess there was internet. We didn't have internet, but, um, you go to the movie store and you look at the covers and they're like scary monsters on the cover, like pumpkin head, you know, and you're looking at these covers and that's like, that's the closest you get. And I'm, I was just always begging my parents and every now and then they would let me watch, you know, a horror movie that they thought, uh, might be acceptable or might not be that scary. Mm-hmm. But that was the first one where my, my mom would, was told me, she's like, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I think I just begged her to let me watch it. And, uh, not only did she let me watch it, she let me watch it alone. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I had this, like, little tiny TV. It was, like, I think it was, like, it was less than, like, 18 inches. And I and I had it down in, in my bedroom. Or I brought it to my bedroom, and I watched that whole movie in my bedroom. And I'm, I... Yeah, it was just I don't I I don't think I slept that night. That's a scary movie at any age, but at ten I couldn't picture watching that movie at ten. Yeah, I think um, looking back on it, especially I mean, <laughs> well, I went to go visit my cousin um, in Victoria, BC, and uh, this was before I had kids, and she had little kids. She had like a, I think a ten year old and an eight year old at the time, and they were asking me about what I did, and I was like, well, I make movies. And they're like, we want to see one of your movies. And I was like, (laughs) so the kid's parents, my cousin, they weren't home. And I was like, I'll just show you a scene. Because the the one kid was really into like special effects. Uh So I, and this is, I'm going to get judged very badly. But I showed him the scene. If you haven't seen Black Mountain Side, I'm sorry. But I showed him the scene where they chop off the guy's arm Uh with an axe. (laughs) Because I wanted to show him the special effect. Because I, I, I prefaced it and I said, just so you know, like, this is just a special effect. We made a fake arm. I explained how we did it. He thought it was really cool when I was explaining it. And then I showed him the scene on my laptop. And his face just went white. And then the next day, my cousin comes up to me. And she's like, uh, we have to talk. You showed our kid a scene from one of your movies. Oh, uh, you got in trouble. And I got in, oh, I got in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then the kid, I, I feel bad because I found out later that the, there was many sleepless nights because he, he kept asking about the scene and I tried to explain to him, I was like, oh, it was just ketchup. We used ketchup. Like it's not blood. Right. But you can explain them that it's fake all you want. They, they see what they see and they interpret it the way they're going to interpret it. And, uh, yeah. So, so Black Mountainside will be on at least one <laughs> scarred as a child list in the future oh man that's a kind of a badge of honor i think you have to you have to hold 
I know. I, I, I sad, sadly, I kind of see it that way too, and that's probably a bad thing. That's probably why I need therapy at some point in my life. <laughs> well, uh, my number three is a much different film than the rest on my list. This is a, this is a TV movie. I was shown this in, I must have been six or seven. It would have been first grade or second grade. And I was, I was shown this in school. Did you ever, were you ever forced to watch movies as a part of school? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, we watched the movies in, uh, in school. Sure. There, there were a variety of movies that people would wheel, you know, they'd wheel in the TV because uh, I was old school, you know, they would have this little tube TV they'd wheel in and they'd throw a movie on VHS. Most of the time it was like, I'm sure the teacher just didn't want to do anything. They were like hung over that yeah, day. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the films that they put on when I was in first grade, I'll never forget this movie, it was called The Electric Grandmother from 1982. Have you ever heard of this? No. I believe you're looking for something in a grandmother. A dream merchant provides the key to happiness for this young family. With this key, you and you alone can bring your electric grandmother to life. And a shopping spree turns into a real dream. My business is fulfilling dreams. Maureen Stapleton is the dream come true. The Electric Grandmother, a 30-day trial offer. You gotta use your key. Meet a real living robot. Wednesday. A robot? So I don't think many people have. This is uh, a movie that's based on a Ray Bradbury story. Okay. And it was actually adapted twice. The first time it was adapted in the 60s for The Twilight Zone. But they made a TV movie out of this called The Electric Grandmother. And it starts out traumatizing enough because you have this doctor that walks into the house. He walks into this dark room and walks out. And there's three kids standing there with tears in their eyes. Their mother has just died. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how this movie starts. And, you know, they're kind of lost as a family. The dad's there, but he's kind of a putz. And he's trying to figure out how to help this family. And I think it's either, uh, I think it's an aunt or a neighbor that comes over. And she's trying to you know, help him figure it out. And long story short, they are delivered this giant, uh, it's almost like a casket by a helicopter. So the helicopter drops this off in their yard and then just leaves. And they open this case up and there's an old woman inside and it's a robotic grandma. So this thing opens up and they're like, use the key. And there's this little heart shaped key and the kid turns the key and the grandma turns on. And it doesn't talk robotically at all, although there are like some instances in the movie where there is like this weird robotic voice. It's not from the grandma itself. Uh, and she just like pops up and she starts talking like a normal grandma. Um, but this thing is a robot. So when it goes dark, the grandma has to go into the basement and she charges in the basement. So grandma's just like sitting in a rocker in the basement. And there's one scene where the little girl who there's two boys and one girl, the children, the girl is like not accepting that her mom died. She's everything's this isn't as good as my mom did it. You're not a replacement for my mom, that kind of stuff. And I remember she walks into the basement and she's basically going to like kill the robotic grandma by unplugging it from the wall. And she does it. And when she unplugs it, the grandma just like pops up eyes open. Always scared me. Uh, th the other thing about this robotic grandma is that <laughs> there's this kid in the beginning and he's like, he has a cereal bowl with a cereal in there. And she's like, oh, you need milk. And milk shoots out of her finger into <laughs> the bowl. 
And it's, again, it's another thing that's never left me. So not only do you have this creepy robotic grandma, but you also have this trauma movie about kids that lost their mom and don't want to accept that their mom isn't around. So that's funny. Yeah, that's the Electric Grandmother from 1982. I don't think it's ever been released on disc. It was released on VHS, <laughs> but if you want to watch it, there is a rip on YouTube. I just looked it up and and it is sitting there on YouTube if you want to check it out. Is uh when's the last time you watched it? Was it, have you watched it since then? You know, when the internet first came around, I think I searched for it cuz we were we were having this conversation years ago and, and I brought up the Electric Grandmother and and we pulled it up. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did watch some scenes from it and uh, it was a really well-received movie. Like it was, uh, I think it won a Peabody Award. It was nominated for Emmys. It was a, it was like a really wow. critically acclaimed movie. But at the age I saw it, in the environment I saw it, it just felt really creepy to me. That's fine. I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, first grade teacher or substitute, probably. I remember we had a teacher. This it was probably the sixth grade. Not quite that young, but. Uh... They she wheeled in a TV and she put on um, the Devil's Backbone, no the shit. Guillermo del Toro movie. <laughs> um, I I don't think she realized that it was like a horror movie, um, wow. because it 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 was very critically acclaimed and it was like a foreign movie, and I think this particular teacher wanted to kind of like you know flex how you know cultural she was, <laughs> and uh, that was what she went with. And I, I remember there was a lot of kids in the class who started crying and they had to turn it off. Um, it's not that scary of a movie. Even back then, I didn't think it was, you know, a very scary movie, but, you know, not appropriate to show to kids. No, not to a sixth grade class. That's for sure. It's funny. My uh, my, my third on the list is kind of a, uh, I don't know if it's cheating. It's it's three movies put together. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. But they, they all fall into the same category, really. But, uh, um, Army of Darkness, um, and I don't know what you're, you're going to probably know the year, um, but the the horror movie House, the '80s one. Oh yeah, probably '87 or so. Around there, probably. So I, I'm putting those two together because they're kind of like horror comedies. Um, so my dad had like a thing where like his favorite kind of movies when I was growing up and like before I was born were horror comedies. Like, I don't, I guess it was like kind of a bigger thing in the eighties, the horror comedy. And I, I love a good horror comedy too, but, uh, um, I think my dad was just very excited, um, for us to reach that age where he could share those with us. Sure. And I don't think that he waited long enough as like, <laughs> you know, or maybe it's fine. I'm I fine. But, um, he just, I remember he, how excited he was to like show us those two specific movies, how darkness. Um, and Army of Darkness, I mean, was like we, me and my brother, never really saw it as a uh, horror movie. I mean, like when we would show it to our friends, because it was like a, it was a big movie in our house. It was very like important. Like one of those VHSs that you watched over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Like the one that you lend to your friends, the one that you show every time your friends come over. Um, that was that was a big movie for us. And uh, but like. I guess the reason it's, uh, I put it there is it didn't scar me, but I remember so many friends coming over and I would watch it with them and it would, it scarred so many of them. Um, so many kids that I guess weren't like me and your, your cousin Christopher or whatever, um, who, who, who were allowed to watch that kind of thing at such a young age and kind of grew, grew somewhat desensitized to it at an age where kids maybe 
you know, should have more of their innocence or whatever. But uh, I just, like, I remember I, I had friends over who uh, had to call their parents and come pick them up when they were supposed to stay for a sleepover <laughs> and stuff like that because they'd never seen, like, a, a skeleton on a in a movie, you know, kind of thing. Especially back then. Like, the, I mean, that's obviously before youtube and stuff i mean i'm sure you have you probably have listeners who who grew up with the internet right i mean like you you 100 yeah like when they were like three years old there was probably youtube so it's kind of it's kind of weird being like just trust me that back then it was different (laughs) and did you i'm guessing you didn't have the context of the evil dead movies no so i'm gonna get to that um so and then the other one I have on the list was House. It was the same thing. Was it's a horror, the horror comedy, but we would watch it and it would, we would laugh at it, and then we'd have friends over and it would scar them. But then, so the segue for me goes to my number three, which is the Evil Dead, um, which okay. because we loved Army of Darkness so much and we had seen it, we like me and my brother had seen it probably like twenty times. When my dad was like, well, you know, it's a sequel, right? Like, it's it's the third one in a series. And me and my brother were blown away. We didn't realize that it was a series. And then my dad's like, yeah, it's bit like he, the first one's like this movie, Evil Dead. And we were like, okay, well, we want to watch it. And he's like, well, I don't think it's a good idea. And we were like, why? Like, it's the same thing. It's a sequel. Who cares? So one day my dad, like, he kind of caved. So we went to the Canadian equivalent of a blockbuster, which was called Rogers video. And, uh, we, we went and we, we rented it and, um, we put it in and again, too young. (laughs) (laughs) So, so his initial instinct was correct. We were too young. Um, me in particular, I'm younger than my brother. So, um, but I remember like the, the tree rape scene came and I remember mm-hmm. my, my dad was like, you know what? Let's not watch this. And he turned it off. Um, and I was already like freaked out, even though like by that point in the movie, not really anything's happened, but just the atmosphere of it was like super creepy, like creepier than anything I'd ever seen at the time. Um, and definitely grittier. I mean, one thing about that movie that people don't really realize is when that movie came out, um, not that I was alive when it came out, but I mean, when it when it came out, it was a lot. I mean, it was such a low budget movie. They didn't have like huge lighting setups they didn't light it like a spielberg movie right i mean there's not like back lights there's not um like key lights and fill lights and this and that it's just like they they filmed that movie with what they had and what they could get their hands on and it's very gritty and it looks especially for the time very like real like the lighting and the quality of the the way it's shot is very real and then i mean sam raimi he has a lot of like camera techniques that again at the time that wasn't a thing like like using the camera like sure like you could say alfred hitchcock did stuff like that but like using the camera like from a first person perspective like and like running it through the woods and stuff like that wasn't really a thing back then yeah and uh that's it's very it's very like shocking i mean now, if you watch it and you you had exposure to like modern horror movies and stuff, you might not think so, but and that and that's fine. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just so shocking. So anyway, what happened was he turned it off. He said, "You know what? We shouldn't watch this." Obviously, what what I do is the next day he goes to work and I go, "I'm gonna watch the rest of this movie," and I put it in, and now I'm alone. You got to conquer it, you know. You got to conquer those fears. It was 
immediately I'm like, okay, this is not the same thing as Army of Darkness. Like, this is not, this is not, it's not funny. Like, although watching it now, it's kind of funny. But The second um, one's funnier. Sure, the second one's funnier. And it's meant to be funny, but the first one's not meant to be funny. And a lot of, like, you don't really realize that if you go in reverse order through them. Um, yeah, and it was just, like, it wasn't meant to be funny. It was scary. I was, like, alone watching a very scary movie. Um, that was very shocking. Obviously, it's very shocking, very gory, even compared to Army of Darkness. Like, just, like, the amount of detail that goes into the violence of it is it's very shocking um so for me that one was just just a movie that i was not ready to to see i guess that's kind of like the theme of my whole list and i hope that's not like a cop-out but for for sure i mean that that movie definitely was one of the first ones i thought of when when you when you suggested the uh the theme to me but all right, Evil Dead. I I don't think I saw Evil Dead until I was like nineteen or twenty. So I loved it when I when it came out, but um, you know I didn't necessarily have that traumatic experience with it that you did. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really like my first. It was probably like my first like exposure to a jump scare. Oh, okay. Come to think of it, I don't think that there. I mean, it's it's so hard to remember back that far, but like, what movie would I have seen before that that had a jump scare? I can't think of anything. So like. I mean, now after you've watched so many movies, you you like you you know how to anticipate a jump scare, and that's actually one really beautiful thing about that movie. Going back and analyzing it, like with movie knowledge, is Sam Raimi is really good, and he was good at it back then. Uh, hitting you with like a jump scare, like a shocking moment when without any like hint that it's coming, or really building up the suspense of making it come i mean there's that scene where he's walking through the basement and it's like it's kind of like a close-up on his face on bruce campbell's face and you're just waiting and you just know there's gonna be a jump scare and it just it takes so long (laughs) for it to come and it just kills you especially as a kid i mean you're just like you're at that point you're screaming at the the tv screen yeah but that yeah so i guess for me, that was like a first exposure to like a horror movie, like kind, like an actually scary horror movie. I don't know. Like I said, my 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 the theme down my list is pretty similar the whole way down. But I always kind of wonder what the first movie my kid's gonna be terrorized by in my collection when I'm working and he just decides to pull a movie off the shelf and, and toss it in. <laughs> oh, maybe it'll be Evil Dead. Who knows. Uh, my number two is one that you had referred to earlier. I must have been, God, five or six years old. And I remember vividly that I went out to get a drink of water. And, I, you know, I was supposed to be asleep, got up, walk out to the kitchen. We had carpet and, no, you know, with the movie on, nobody could hear you coming. So I come around the corner and my dad is watching Poltergeist from 1982. This could be your house, your family, and something is about to happen to them. They're here. That could happen to you. Poltergeist, it knows where you live, and it knows what scares you. Poltergeist, a Steven Spielberg production, rated PG. And I just happened to walk out and... I stood there and I watched the scene where uh, the character Marty 
Martin Casella is in the kitchen and he's getting a midnight snack. That was very relatable. <laughs> yeah. A, a steak on the counter and he's got a chicken wing in his mouth. And all of a sudden the, the steak starts moving on the counter and then it kind of like implodes. And at that moment, he drops the chicken wing out of his mouth and it falls to the ground and you can see that it's filled with maggots. At that point, I think I, I think I made a sound. It might have been like a scream or a, or like a gasp or something. And my dad turned around, paused the movie. And thankfully, he paused the movie because I didn't see that for another probably 15 years after that. And when I finally watched it, you know, the next scene, he has a hallucination where he's tearing off his own face in the mirror. I don't remember that scene. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't see that part until much later. That would have done much more damage. Oh, yeah. But just the the chicken wing and the the, the steak on the counter, it, it scarred me for a very long time. I needed much more than a glass of water to go back to sleep after seeing that. And it stuck with me for for a long time. So, yeah, that's Poltergeist from 82. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Poltergeists. I mean, just like that movie, I th- like it's crazy that when that movie came out, I don't think... Correct me if I'm wrong. You probably know better than me, but like nothing like that had really been done, at least like from a like a wide release standpoint. I mean, like there was probably lots of haunted house horror movies, but like in terms of like a big budget movie, no one had ever like done the like the poltergeist thing. I mean, the 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 haunted house thing, really. That 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 must have been like the first. I'm trying to think like what 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 would be before it like a big budget like aside from like you know like whatever who cares 40 50s black and white movies I mean whatever but it it was for sure like the first blockbuster haunted house movie yeah and I mean so yeah that's crazy but like yeah and it's such a relatable thing I mean everyone has that kind of experience I mean you probably have like I mean maybe I'll ask you do you have like a haunted house experience I don't. I don't. And I don't really, really I've never really believed. Yeah. I've never really believed in haunted houses. Although side note, uh, there was a hotel I stayed in once and, uh, I, so I taught sales training for a long time. I used to travel the country and there was one hotel that they said was built on a burial ground and weird stuff happened in it. And one night I woke up to my faucet in my bathroom on full blast Wow! and I didn't turn it on. <laughs> So I guess I guess that would be like my one haunted location thing. Yeah. So I mean, if you don't believe in in the paranormal, then what do you think happened there? Was just like someone snuck into your room or what? Uh, you know, that's the one thing in my whole life that's ever made me question it. Yeah. We we moved into this house that we're in now uh, two years ago. We moved in like during COVID. We actually uh, we bought the house sight unseen. We had never been to Nova Scotia before which is where we are. We're in Nova Scotia and we were stuck in our house and we had been trying to like move, um, for a long time. And, and, uh, the airline kept canceling our flights cause of COVID. So we just said, you know what? Fuck it. There's this house on the market. Um, it's a farmhouse. It's like over a hundred year old farmhouse. Um, let's just buy it. Like it's not going to be on the market for long. Let's just put in an offer, buy it. We'll move there. We've never even been to the province before, but you know what? Like <laughs> something different. Let's do it. We bought the house. We moved into it. Um, had to drive here because they kept canceling our flights. 
Um, so nine day drive, whatever, that's a different story. Oh, uh, we move in, we move into the house and like almost immediately, it's a very old house. Um, very almost immediately kind of like some weird stuff happens. So like we put, you know, the same, the usual stuff, you know, you put pictures up on the wall and then like when you're like downstairs watching TV, they fall off the wall that happened in this house that again, that doesn't seem that weird. Um, kind of like, you know, it's like a, it's a very old house, you know, it's settled. The walls aren't perfectly straight. Yeah. But then, uh, my wife is showering one day and she comes downstairs and she's just like, why were you messing with me while I was showering? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she says, you were in the bathroom, like making creepy voices. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no, I was not. I was downstairs with the kids. Like I wasn't doing that. And so she was freaked out. I was freaked out. Um, again, pictures keep falling off the walls. And then we had, uh, so what was it? One month after we moved in, we had one of our kids' birthday parties. Um, and we had balloons, like helium balloons, um, in the house. And after the birthday party, we popped a bunch of them. You know, we don't want 10,000 balloons in the house. Um, but you know, the kids, you, you have kids, so they want a few to stay, whatever. Um, we let the big, huge, it was like a mini mouse or something. I can't remember what it was. Um, one of those big, what are they called? Like the metal-y material. Oh, yeah. Mylar. Yeah. So we had one of those big ones, whatever. We leave it there. And one day, uh, like a couple days after the birthday party, my wife and I are watching TV. The kids are asleep. And then um, the house is like designed like in a big circle. Like you could like walk in a big circle from room to room and then eventually end up at the same point. There's like doorways. So we're sitting there and we look over and the balloon is going from left to right down the hallway. And, you know, it's a drafty house. So like, okay, that's creepy, but whatever. That's like, we laughed about it. The balloon turns and it goes into the kitchen out of our sight. Whatever. Again, drafty house. A minute later, it comes back from left to right. Hmm. It's, It's doing laps around the house. Scared the shit out of us. And then only a few nights later, and I have a picture, I can prove it, but uh, go to like get the kids out of bed, whatever, clean up their room, do their beds, um, open the curtains. There is a handprint on our kids' window, second floor. It's on the outside of the window. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, poltergeists. (laughs) On the topic of poltergeists, I don't know. I don't know. This house could be haunted. I don't know. I guess so. You could be, uh, what is the house, the second story. That's, uh, the sequel to house. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I think a house has a sequel actually, but yeah, a house has four se- Well, three sequels. There's four of them. Yeah. Is there four of them? Wow. Yeah. Second story. Forget what number three is. Number four is called the repossession. Oh, I- I've definitely seen the first two. I didn't know there was more than that. You don't want to go further than number two. No, that's usually <laughs> no. the case. Yeah. Um, okay. What are we at? You're number two. My number two, my number two, and I've already kind of mentioned it before is, uh, I don't know if this counts if I like, okay, I was, I think I was 17 years old. I don't know if that counts as a kid. I mean, you're still not old enough to vote. So there you go. Or smoke. So I guess so. I'll, I'll go with it just to kind of switch it up. But it was, it was paranormal activity. Hi, deaf camera on my girlfriend, Katie. She thinks there's something in the house. I don't know. You believe me, right? Doors are locked, alarm is on. If anything walks through me, it's gonna leave a pretty good footprint. Did you hear that? Oh my god. 
There's footsteps in, but there's no footsteps out. You cannot run from this, it will find you. This woman, same things happen to her. Oh God. I feel it breathing on me. Looks like something big here. You stop following me with the camera. I'm in control. You got I think a lot of people might hear that and kind of snicker. Um, but that movie, when it came out, was really freaking scary. And I don't think like a lot of people really remember it that way. I think a lot of, like just may- maybe because the sequels came out and they were so bad. Well, yeah, again, it's it's the time that you watched it and, and the uh, the context in which you watch it, you know? Yeah, and it was uh, it was a theater experience, actually. It was kind of my only theater experience where I was, like, f- kind of freaked out in the theater. Um, but it wasn't so much, like, watching it. Like, obviously, watching it, you know, you jump at the jump moments. And it was a packed theater we saw. It. Me and my buddy went to go see it. Super packed theater. Um, and one, one of the girls in the girl she was probably like in her 20s but she uh like and she was so scared she puked so they had to come oh. like clean up puke during <laughs> nice. the movie um like when we left there was a guy puking out in the in a garbage can outside the thing so there's people like screaming there's people crying i mean I, that that movie was definitely like it's it was different and I, I i hate to say this but like to people who like roll their eyes and go like, Oh, that's a stupid movie. Like it was different if you saw it in theaters, especially like surrounded by people. Um, when you have that, like really the proper sound system it was just a different movie experience. Um, and it was a scary movie. It was pretty freaky. And it was, it was probably like with, you know, the found footage thing, the, the trend of found footage movies, it, it kind of kicked it off again after it kind of went dormant for a while. Yeah. Um, but like, aside from the Blair Witch Project, so you said that was 99, I think. Um, so this was 10 years later, I think, 2009, 2008? 2007. So it'd have been like, yeah, eight years later. Right. So, I mean, it kind of, there was like a, a lull there. And like, there was never any movie, aside from the Blair Witch Project that I can think of, that like, tried to be like, realism. And like, sure. when I say realism, I mean like, real realism. Um, maybe like some obscure like Japanese like Noroi the curse whatever you know like stuff like that but this this was like the first again one that went to like a movie theater that was like a real realism movie and it was presented in a way that was very realistic and very um, relatable I mean they were like it was filmed in like a dude's house right I mean it was just like it wasn't filmed on a set and like you can tell right and it has lots of relatable, like, like the dialogue's very relatable with the characters, and the characters are relatable, and it's it's just, it was very realistic. Anyway, the movie was scary, whatever, but I just remember getting home after, and I would have been, so what, it was 16 years old? I don't know, 16 or 17. I don't know if I'd call myself a kid. I don't know. It depends on your definition of a kid, but um, it was like, the movie ended at like midnight, so I went and I dropped my buddy off. I had a car; he didn't. I dropped him off at his house. I got home. It was probably midnight, and that that was like a time in my life where I stayed up until like three a.m. every night, whatever. Um, probably playing video games or something. And uh, I remember just being awake in my house, and it was like super late at night, like past midnight, and I was the only one awake, and the house is dark, and just like 
there was just something about like this like dread that fell over me and thinking about that movie and again maybe it has something to do with uh like again being raised religious like i said with the exorcist because paranormal activity i mean like kind of like the twist of it if you can call it a twist is it turns out it's not a ghost it turns out it's like a demon right um and and again for, for me as like you know being raised christian it's kind of like ooh, a demon that's like a real thing like now when you're talking about ghosts you're talking about like ooh, spooky scooby-doo whatever but when you talk about a demon you're talking about like ooh, this is like a real thing i know that sounds kind of silly if you're especially if you're not raised religious or whatever but like so for me and i remember just being home alone in the dark and i was sitting in like our living room whatever like playing a video game on the computer and just like being so suddenly scared and then that scare just turned into like i was just horrified i was just like absolutely horrified and i i I remember i went to my room and i like closed the door and i was just so freaked out i just like was like almost inconsolably freaked out and i had never been like that since i was like an actual kid since i was like eight years old but obviously i mean what i ended up doing the next day was i went to go see the movie again which was maybe Mm. not you know (laughs) not what a normal person does when they're super freaked out by something but uh but i i just like i think one 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 of my big pet peeves is especially with that movie in particular is it gets such a bad like rap people like talk about it like it's so stupid and like it was like oh that but it's almost as if they don't remember when it came out and like every single freaking person in the world was horrified by that movie when it came out and i i don't know if people are just like trying to you know pretend like oh i'm cool i didn't think that was scary but like everyone thought that movie was scary when that movie came out yeah well like you said it was it was something that you had never seen before sure there were found footage movies but there were never there was never a film that was made to look like it was just filmed with security cameras and again that realism factor brought a whole new level to it i remember i saw it in in a packed theater and uh it freaked me out for sure yeah yeah, I don't know. And it's also a great movie, too. Like I said before, I mean, it was a movie that some dude just wanted to make. He didn't have the means to make a movie, like a traditional movie. So that's what he did. He just made he just made a ch- like cheap, free movie. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, like, if you look at it, if you, even if you didn't think the movie was scary, if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, that's insane. And that, that we're also talking about a time when... So that movie came out in 2007. It was probably filmed in 2006. I mean... You're not, you still need to like, it's not like, oh, I'll pull out my phone and take a, like make a movie like you can do now. Like back then it still required like quite a bit of like legwork to make a movie. Like you still have to put in a lot of work. I mean, there, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Move, I, it's pet peeve of mine. Movie gets a bad rap. Well, I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. Have you seen any of the sequels? Yeah, sadly, yeah. yeah i think i've only seen two i may have seen three but i think there's like five different sequels something like that i think i've seen all of them and i think they're all really bad yeah that's too bad i think they actually get worse i mean as as they usually do but i remember i remember going to see one of them like the last one where they have like on the cover they have like cloaks on i don't remember what it was called Mm, mm -hmm. the ghost dimension or something like that Yeah, yeah that's right I remember going to see it and I was like, it can't possibly be as bad as the other ones, like the other sequels. And it was worse. 
and I didn't know how that could be possible. <laughs> so, so yeah, they they get they get worse. Well, maybe there's your yeah. That, there's the one I can jump into, right? <laughs> yeah, there's there's the one you can fix. Yeah, I just remember like one of them's like filmed on like the kid's Xbox. Like they tried to do like that. Oh my! And then like the kid, every time something spooky's happening, he like runs to his Xbox to turn it on or something, and it's just like this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I don't watch the sequels, but I, I actually do recommend the 2007 original Paranormal Activity. I think it's a, I think it's a good movie. Okay, uh, number one for me, when, when we settled on this topic, this was always number one. And again, not a horror movie. And this movie has become one of my favorite movies over time. This must have been, gosh, 1988 or 89. I was like seven or eight years old, I think. And we went to go visit my uncle in New York City. And so we we fly in late, and I remember my my mom was, like, super tired, so she's going to bed, my uncle's going to bed. I wasn't tired yet, and uh, my brother was like, eh, he was kind of tired, but my uncle's like, we got a, I got a VCR there, and if you look underneath in the cabinet, there's a bunch of tapes, just watch whatever you want. Open it up, pull out 1987's RoboCop. He died a hero. Target! And was reborn as Robocop. A one-man police force with the strength of an army, the speed of a laser, the brain of a computer, and a body made of steel. Looking for me? Robocop. Starts Friday, July 17th at a theater near you. Well, you. You probably weren't even born when RoboCop came out, 1987. Nope. But as a kid in the late 80s, RoboCop was everywhere. Uh, they had a cartoon series for kids. They, When you went to the toy aisle next to the G.I. Joe's and Transformers, there was RoboCop toys. RoboCop was everywhere. And of course, you, you see the, the preview on TV and you want to see it. And this, this might have been even the time when RoboCop 2 was out. So RoboCop was just everywhere. I didn't know what kind of movie it was. I just knew like, hey, robotic cop shooting guns, exploding things. This seems like a cool movie to watch. So toss that bad boy in the VCR. I did not know about the horrors that I was about to see in the very first scene of the movie when Clarence Boddicker gets a hold. When they kill him? Yeah, gets a hold of Murphy. (laughs) Now, they don't just kill Murphy. They toy with him. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. It's very graphic. So uh, you have, um, oh, shit, what's his name? Uh, Clarence Boddicker, the the guy who plays um, fucking Red Foreman on... uh, on that 70s show. His name yeah. is escaping me. He's like the bad guy, right? Yeah. God damn it. Uh, Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith. So uh, he's he's got Murphy on his knees, and he's got this big gun, and he's toying with him, waving the gun around him, and then he shoots his hand and blows his hand clean off. Like, it turns into uh, just a bloody splatter. And I remember he holds up his bloody stump, and, you know, he's, like, in shock. And he he keeps doing it, and finally he blows his head off. And it's not just like a bullet through the head. It blows off a chunk of this animatronic head that they used for it. Why, you got to be some kind of great cop. Come in here all by yourself. (laughs) Where's your partner? Where's your partner? Well, guys, the other one was upstairs. She was sweet. Mm. Mm-hmm. I took her out. 
I bet that really pisses you off. <laughs> you probably don't think I'm a very nice guy. Do you? Buddy, I think you're slime. <laughs> See, I got this problem. Cops don't like me. So I don't like cops. <laughs> And it scared the shit out of me. I think I maybe, I, I, I don't think I watched any more than that scene. I, I'm pretty sure I turned it off and tried to go to bed. I didn't see the rest of that movie until probably the Criterion DVD came out, which would have been, I don't know, mid 2000s, late 2000s. I got a hold of it. And it was touted as like the X rated cut. And goddamn, that movie is so bloody. But it's it's an amazing movie. It's it's a really great satire. It's uh, extremely violent. I, I love it so much. But God, when I watched it, I was maybe eight or nine when I watched that first scene. Never got past that scene. It was uh, it was horrifying. Still horrifying to this day. But I, I, of course, I love it now. But back then, goddamn, it stuck with me. Yeah, that's funny. I probably saw that movie at the same age. It would have been, I would have been 10 years old, probably 2002, around then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely that opening scene. Don't they, like, I I don't know if I've seen it in the last, like, 15 years. They, like, drag him behind a car. Yeah, yeah, he's, they, they basically, they're all surrounding him, and yeah. they just have him helpless, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's really brutal, and I don't think I think what the beauty of that scene is like, and it's and it's you know it's spoiled for anyone who hasn't seen it, I guess. But like, you don't go into that movie like you said as a kid, but even as an adult, you don't expect that. Yeah. To right off out of the gate, you really don't expect that. Um, and that's that's what makes it so great. I mean, that that that's what makes like any movie great. Really, is like when you just it's something you just don't expect. Um, I, I find when, when I go to like to go see a movie and I'm like, okay, here we go. Like it's, you know, whatever, another stupid, you know, sinister five or whatever the frick they're on now. <laughs> not, not shitting on those movies. They're fine for what they are, but, um, you know, you go and you know what you're going to expect and you get what you expect and you go out and you're like, okay, I got what I expected. That was it. But when you go into a movie and you're like, okay, you know, here we go. Robocop. Um, you know, it's going to be shooting guns. I like that. Whatever. It's going to be fun. And then that's what you get. You oh, know, dude. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so, and that for me, I think, um, I remember Predator. I think when I, when I went to watch Predator for the first time, I think I was a bit older. I think I was probably like 18. Um, and I knew like it was a horror movie. I, I had kind of put off watching it. Um, um, like even though I was super into horror, but for some reason I put off watching it. You know how everyone has that like movie where they're, where people go like, Oh, you got to watch this movie. And you're like, yeah, like I'll get around to it sure yeah and then you just and then when you finally do you're like oh i see why people said that um i remember it was like predator this isn't my number one by the way but um i remember yeah just like being like okay it's it's like a horror movie there's like a monster guy with dreads i mean everyone knows what the predator looks like i don't know like it's gonna probably be like kind of whatever but then the movie like the first half of the movie is like a pretty intense action movie 
And it really has nothing, the first half of it has nothing to do with the Predator. And it's just like this really intense action movie. And then it takes this complete 180 turn when the Predator kind of like becomes like a big player in the movie. And and just like, just the way that movie is like constructed is so unexpected when you're expecting a really cliche 80s movie. Yeah, it's great. Same way with RoboCop. Yeah. For sure. God forbid I watched it until the end. You remember that part with the acid? There's like a henchman that gets acid tossed on his face later on in the movie, and his face oh, is just yeah, like yeah, melting yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the Ed 209 blowing that dude away on the conference table. Just <laughs> great scenes. I'm glad I didn't watch him when I was 10 or 9 or whatever yeah. it was. Glad they didn't make that movie like today, too, when you know they would just be like, do it with CGI. And oh, yeah. Like it would be way cheaper, way easier to do it with CGI. And, oh. There's the fact that they did that movie and movies like that one, like with practical effects is just like, so that's just, oh, it's just so satisfying. I mean, if you want to see how sad it really is, just watch the RoboCop remake from uh, 2014. I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, you're better off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, uh, number one for you, grand finale. Sure. My number one, I feel like it's going to be disappointing i feel i just feel like we talked about all these great movies and now i'm going to talk about like the worst movie ever made great movies like the electric grandmother from 1982 <laughs> you really sold me on the electric grandmother i feel like i need to watch it you should you should i mean you said it, it won awards so you know this the, the movie i'm about to say did not win awards <laughs> um and for for a good reason because it's not a good movie but no, you know what? I was about to say, at least it used practical effects. I don't even think it used practical effects. And this was like back in the, I think the 90s when it came out. I want to say the 90s, maybe early 2000s. Um, it's another one of those ones where it was just one of those ones where my parents said, go to, you know, we're in the blockbuster, whatever the Canadian equivalent. Um, and my parents just say, go rent whatever you want. And I would always go to the horror movie section and usually pick out like a Godzilla movie. I for, I was obsessed with Godzilla movies hmm. um, for whatever reason. They're all the exact same, but I would rent a different one every every week. But uh, this time there was like a cover that had always freaked me out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. Like this freaky cover. Um, and the movie, I should have wrote down the years because again, there's another, there's a movie by a, the same name. But uh, this is the horror version, and it's Jack Frost. One cold night, science and evil collide. Oh, yeah. Now, a serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. I know Jack Frost. That's probably 90, uh, 97, maybe? I hope I hope so, because it, it had like only been out for like a little bit. And I, I, I would have hated had you been like, it's 2004. And I find out that I was like 13 <laughs> years old, but I was definitely very young. I couldn't have been more than like seven years old. Um, and it, I think it was like, I mean, it was probably one of the five first horror movies I'd ever seen. Um, and so this, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to a, a story we were telling earlier, but uh, 
um, just, I, I remember that the cover scaring the crap out of me, but like, I kind of was under the impression that it was like a goofy movie. So we, we put it in whatever. And I, my parents let me watch it again. Another one of those weird instances. And I, mean, I should probably talk to my parents about this, but they let me watch it alone. <laughs> I think my brother started out watching it with me and my brother was much smarter than me. Like when he started getting scared, he would leave. Mm-hmm. But I, I always had this weird thing where I would just like, I felt like I needed to challenge it. And I was like, no, I need to watch the whole thing. And so I, I committed to watching that entire movie. Um, it's not good. <laughs> Back then, <laughs> it's like, you fun. don't know it's that. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's like stupid and fun. And I think I rewatched it with my wife a couple of years ago just to see if it was, you know, it held up at all. And no, it's not I, like what I recommend it. No, but um it's 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 like graphic it's um you know it's a slasher movie i think you would call it a slasher movie sure it like steals from a lot of other slasher movies and i don't know if that's necessarily like in homage or if they were just stealing (laughs) but uh (laughs) it's kind of like a a scary movie but the jack frost character like he on top of being like like a horror movie he was also extremely vulgar and like like lots of words that i had never heard before mm-hmm. as like a 7 year old so i was introduced to a lot of foul language but uh after that um seeing that movie i remember i was the movie ended the tape like ran out or whatever and i was upstairs in our living room and my parents were, my my mom mom called and she i think it was like uh time for dinner and she's like okay come down for dinner And then a couple minutes go by. I couldn't get off the couch. I was too afraid to get off the couch. And she calls again. And I remember having to ask her to come, like, walk me down the stairs. Which is funny because my kids do this all the time now, too, where they're like, I don't want, they don't want to go to their room. They need to be walked there. Yeah. It's definitely, like, the only time in my life that I can remember doing that. But, uh, um, and I remember my parents were so angry because for weeks, it was weeks of me going into their bedroom to sleep. (laughs) um and weeks of me like needing to be walked around the house whenever the sun had gone down and it was dark outside i would always like need to be walked around and my parents were so mad they're like you're never renting a horror movie again um and it's just such a stupid movie but what i vividly remember and the reason i put it on the number one on my list and the reason i told that story earlier um is when i was in bed at night i had white walls like they were white like snow and i think there's a scene in that movie i can't really remember now where he kind of like comes out of the wall or like comes from under the wall or something like like liquid seeps in and then he like grows from it he's a snowman he's like a monster (laughs) snowman and as a kid i remember laying in bed and i would look at the wall and like i had a really bad night terror problem and uh as a kid and i remember seeing the snowman coming out of my wall so I would run to my parents' room screaming every night. It must have been for, if not weeks, months. It could have been months, honestly. And they were exhausted from it. And I feel bad for them now that I have my own kids. Um, but, and that and it's funny because the reason I told that story earlier and the reason that was so strange is my 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 second oldest, uh, my my youngest daughter. Um, has been coming into our room at night now and she keeps saying that there's something coming out of her wall next to her bed 
and it's this and i and my wife just rolls her eyes and then for me i'm like no i know how freaked out she is oh it's jack <laughs> yeah exactly but i i don't know why she's where where she saw that i don't think she watched jack frost but you never know um yeah, so that that sadly is my number one, and it's like the lamest movie on my list by far. But that's one of those movies where if you got some friends together and you got a case of beer or some weed, like that's a real fun time to watch yeah, that you, movie. You could make that into a drinking game for sure. Like I'd have to watch it, but there's there's like some stupid one-liners you could drink every time he has like a one-liner or something. I remember seeing this. It was back in the VHS days. I definitely pulled this off the shelf. God, what what's the scene? Uh, Shannon Elizabeth is in here, and I think Jack Frost like turns into water in the bathtub, and then yeah. she gets into the bathtub, and he's in there with her. It's like a really uh, intense scene where, where he kills her. I think it's like, like a locker room or something. Yeah, which is also like just a complete ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, but yeah, the uh, whole thing you know, is yeah. <laughs> uh, well, fun fact: you said you you went to the store. To well, you went to Rogers to rent like Godzilla movies. There was a third movie planned in this franchise called Jack Frost Three Jackzilla, where he oh, was going to be like a giant Godzilla style snowman, but it was canceled for some reason. Again, I don't think I was. Did I know about a second one? Maybe I. Maybe I remember the cover of it. There's a sequel. It's set in somewhere tropical. It's set in like Hawaii or something. They went real dumb with the sequel. I mean, even dumber. Huh. <laughs> But uh, hey, you, you you never know what's gonna scare you as a kid. So as bad as that movie might be, uh, no apologies for having it at number one there. Great list, great list of films. I know I got some things to uh, to revisit. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit Evil Dead soon. But I I gotta look up that air fryer commercial too, or the uh, the the fryer commercial that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I'll I, if I if I find it, I'll send it to you too. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's recap our list real quick. I'll go through mine. My five to one, I had Child's Play at number five. I had Who Framed Roger Rabbit at number four. I had The Electric Grandmother from 1982 at number three. I had Poltergeist at number two. And my number one was 1987's RoboCop. So for my number five, I had The Blair Witch Project. Number four, I put The Exorcist. Number three, I cheated and did three movies together, Evil Dead, House, Army of Darkness. My number two was Paranormal Activity, and my number one was Jack Frost. All right. Any uh, honorable mentions that you that just narrowly missed the list that we haven't mentioned already? Well, since 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 we added in, like you said, commercials and stuff, um, it definitely got my, my brain going. But uh my my honorable mention would be I'm gonna guess my daughter's my oldest daughter's first first number one that will be on her eventual list. But uh, so I have this app um, that I like to watch because it has like stupid conspiracy alien shows on it. Okay. Um, it's like what is it called Gaia app, Gaia TV or something. Anyway, so they there's like crazy people that like think they can interview aliens and. But it's like, you know, it's not fiction. It's, you know, it's documentary stuff. But I, I watch it sometimes because it's, it's entertaining to watch, you know, crazy people talk about crazy things and talk about it like it's, you know, real stuff. I like that kind of stuff. I've always liked conspiracy stuff. But um, I watched this one interview um, with this guy talking about shadow people. And he was talking about how kids see shadow people and and his theory on what shadow people are and 
how it's like spirits from the afterlife and how you can talk to them and whatever like you know just you if you ever watch any sort of uh medium shows it's he's kind of like one of those guys right yeah um so i'm watching it it's not like a scary thing it's just a guy talking to a girl but i didn't really realize that my daughter was listening to it oh and then she had a lot of questions about the shadow people and i've regretted watching that with her in the room ever since that was like a month ago (laughs) two months ago and oh my god the the amount of questions i get about the shadow people now and the amount of times she's come into our room saying that she saw shadow people and every single time it's her own shadow (laughs) so like she's like oh it was on that wall right there when i was there and i was like so wait you were there and it was on that wall and that lamp just happens to be right there so that's your shadow effie and she goes oh yeah i guess that is my shadow (laughs) but then it's, it's not good enough like it's just it's always then like five minutes later oh i saw a shadow person shadow person shadow person my my wife is so mad at me for exposing my daughter to shadow people but it's repentance for uh, showing your nephew the chopped arm. Yeah, I'll, I'll never live that one down <laughs> for sure. I uh, I had a couple honorable mentions. The television show Unsolved Mysteries. We used to watch that when, when we were younger and my mom worked late. So we would be watching that at like nine o'clock at night. And just the theme song alone would freak us out. Um, Big Top Pee Wee has the scene with Large Marge. Do you Do you know that scene? No. Um, P- well, you know, like, did you ever watch Pee Wee Herman, the Pee Wee Playhouse show? No. It was uh, with Paul Rubens. It was like a really popular kids show when I was little. And he had a couple of movies. And one of those movies was Big Top Pee Wee, where he's, I think he's going cross country and he's hitchhiking. And the semi truck stops. And all of a sudden, the lady's head turns into this claymation animation style thing. It is extremely horrifying, comes out <laughs> of nowhere. I think Tim Burton directed it, which like explains everything you need to know about that kind of scene. So that narrowly missed my list. And then of course, uh, 1992's Candyman, which okay. always kind of stuck in our heads as kids. Just, just cause like the Candyman, Candyman, Candyman thing. So my mom used to take us to, she, she would go and exercise and she would take us to this place to like the daycare or whatever while she exercised. And then afterwards she would hang out outside and talk to her friends and all the kids would like run around this, this building and it had this weird underground. I don't even know what the building was. I got to ask my mom, but it had this weird underground area where there was a bathroom in there and you'd go into the bathroom. It's pitch dark because the, the lights wouldn't work at that time. And the urban legend was if you went into this bathroom and you said Bloody Mary three times, the Bloody Mary would come out of the mirror. And I think that's where the, the I think Candyman inspired all that stuff. I think Bloody Mary was around before. Candyman. I think it was probably the other way around. The, yeah, that, that's probably true. For us, though, I think like the Candyman thing just uh, like it heightened it so much because we thought that could actually happen, and yeah. we never got brave enough to say it three times into that mirror. It was uh, <laughs> so we could never do. My that's like one of my, the things my wife is super scared of. She's that one, and uh, when I was asking her about this list, my wife, the very first one that came out of her mouth was Mothman. The, mm. the Mothman prophecies. She just like thought that something about that was so scary to her. But uh, if my wife's in the bathroom and I start like, if I, I'll do it to be mean because I'm an asshole, but I'll be like, <laughs> Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Oh. And then she'll like run, she'll just run out of the bathroom. She can't do it. <laughs> there's a movie, um, if you if you like that kind of uh, lore, 
there's a movie called I think it's called Kadisha. It's like a it's a foreign movie, but it's kind of like a Candyman, Bloody Mary type of thing. But the the demon that comes out kills all men. Like it's a man hating demon. It's a really fun movie. Okay, I'll look into that one. Kadisha. Candisha. Candisha from 2020. Oh, so it's like new. Yeah, it's uh, French. It's French. It's really really good. It's gory, but uh, yeah, this this lady gets like assaulted and decides she's gonna summon this thing and uh yeah it's it's brutal it's a good one though candisha cool all right nick um let's let's wrap this up here i know i got you pretty late out where you are where should people go to see more of your stuff well um i would say start with google i know that's not terribly helpful (laughs) but depending on where you are in the world it could be in a different place i mean the, the territories are all different um, so the easiest thing to do would just be if you just search on Google Black Mountainside, you'll find it. It'll come right up. Yep. Um, no matter where you are. So that's that's the best way to do it. And it's always changing. So I mean if this podcast obviously, you know, if you're listening to it in three months from now, it might meet it it might be in a different place. Uh the distributor likes to shop it around. So 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 stick to Google. You can't go wrong with Google. So just so people know, right now, if you're listening to this as this comes out, you can find it on Amazon Prime, and you can find it on Tubi as well. I want to say Google Play as well. Um, Apple, like, I, uh, do they call it iTunes anymore even? Apple, I don't think uh, they do. <laughs> probably not. Apple Movies, yeah. If you have an Apple TV or a smart TV, um, it's, on, it's on there. Just got to look. You just got to search it. You'll find it. Don't worry. And if you want to see uh, Archons, that's also on Tubi. If you want to check that out. Is it? Did you did you confirm that one? Yep, looking at it now. So Tubi, you can watch Archons and you can rent that on uh, YouTube, Google Play, Amazon okay. Prime, all those places. That's great news because for a while there, it wasn't going up on Tubi, even though it was supposed to. We were, we were wondering what was going on with it. But uh, that's good. That's good to know. Shows it there now. It's hard It's hard to test this stuff when you're in Canada and everyone's asking from the States and you go, uh, <laughs> I don't actually know. But next time I'm over the border, I'll look. Go watch Archons. Go watch Black Mountainside. You can find them both on Tubi. Um, Nick, thanks so much for coming on. I, I had a really good time. I really love your films. Yeah, thank you for having me. I I'm, I'm, I'm hope I, I didn't bore the hell out of you and your audience. No, it was great. Executive producers on this episode include Peter Beta from the Middle Class Film Class podcast, Musa Mahmood, Rupert Bumblestein, Ryan Goland of the New World Pictures podcast, and Carlos Mota. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to be a producer on the show, head to patreon.com backslash force five. Five bucks a month gets you everything that the force five has to offer. And 10 bucks a month gets you an executive producer credit on IMDb as well. Can't spare five bucks a month. No problem. You can still support force five. Take two minutes to review the show wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple. I don't know where the heck else do people listen to podcasts, Google, Amazon, wherever it is review me tell your friends about the show those two free simple things really help my audience grow today's bumpers were produced by nate no middle name spears and the top five list bumper was produced by me with music by audio binger until next time stay safe stay sane and go watch some movies that scarred me and nick shostakiewski as kids Mm -hmm.